welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm here with Carolyn Thomas and Olivia Robson. How are you going, ladies? Well, thank you. Thank you. How are you, Lena? Oh, I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> <It's enough. laughs> All right, we're continuing on with our Colossian series. Um, last, last podcast, we were looking at Colossians chapter 2, and we got up to verse 3, and we just closed off by talking about um, understanding the synesis and that ability to assess the situation and decide on a course of action. We were speaking about how um, we really need the wisdom from God because our wisdom is really just foolishness in God's eyes. So we just need to be drawing close to God and maturing, as Olivia was talking about, um, so we can get that, that excellent knowledge to set us on the right path. All right, so we're going to be continuing on looking at verse 4. So I will just read verse 4 again. Actually, I'm just going to read it in context. I'm going to go back from the start and then then we'll read verse 4 again. Alright, so Colossians 2 verses 1 to 4. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So, verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So what is Paul talking about? Well, I think the fine-sounding arguments, again, remember he's writing this to refute all the false teaching trying to come. And I think it's he's warning them not to succumb to seductive teaching. You know, it might sound good, it might sound accurate and yeah, enticing words. Um, and and the the word that he used there for the fine sounding is a Greek word that was used for persuasive power of a lawyer's arguments, and so it's really important he's warning them, you know, not to be deceived. And so again, it brings us back to that. It's really important that we know the word for ourselves, that we know the truth, so that we can actually recognise. Mm. Um, because you've got to remember these fine-sounding arguments and what even heresies, they don't just come out blatantly, obviously, against the Word of God. They can just have a little twist on the truth. It can be almost 99% truth, but there's a twist. And if you do not know the Word for yourself, that often you will get taken in by it because you don't realise. You know, there's um, some things I'll listen to, like I'm just checking out and watching a particular person at the moment and um, you know so I was just listening to some of their little downloads that they were doing on the you know listening on the computer and stuff to little videos and stuff and there's stuff like I'm listening to it and while I'm listening I'm like okay in my head I can say like it all sounds totally correct I almost can't put my finger on anything um, you know but I just have a sense there's just something off, but even there, I'm still not hearing it yet. You know, it just all sounds, and so I think it's so subtle, and so that is really just warning them to be careful. Yep, excuse me. Um, yeah, what is some of the. Oh, Olivia, did you have anything? No, cool. Yeah. All right. Karen, Karen yes. Yeah. So, so great. <laughs> so, what are some of that false teaching of today that we need to be aware of? I'll give you girls a chance to speak. I um, The one that came to my mind is, like you were saying, Carolyn, it is so close to the truth. And 
um, a lot of churches are preaching um, accept Jesus as your saviour that's mm-hmm. the truth but they never go on to, to say but he must also be your lord yes. of your life you have to come under that lordship and accept to be a part of his kingdom and his rules so it's you, you need a saviour yes but they never quite bring it to the Repent and turn. Yes. And I think what you're saying, even there with a saviour, even that is not preached properly because it's not even preached with a repentance now. It's like Jesus is an add on. So he'll just make your life better or whatever, but there's no. God wants to bless you because he loves you. Yes. And he's not going to condemn you and he's not going to. He's a God of love, so he would never do all these, you know, things that are in the Bible. But anyway. Um, I think another big thing at the moment is the homosexuality talking. We have churches where they have ordained homosexual, you know, um, Mm -hmm. ministers. Practicing homosexuality. Practicing to be, yes. So that in itself is a huge deception and it's contrary to the word of God. And it doesn't matter what, you know, how they try and argue it and whatever, you know. We cannot, we do not have any authority to change one little comma or dot of the word of God and we can't say, well, that's not relevant and it was only written for that society and it's, you know, that's just nonsense. And and, and another one as well that is what I call the false love and the whole Harper grace, you know, it's not our place to judge people and, you know, but the Bible's got clear and David actually preached some sermons, I think it'll be on podcast, Laugh Ask podcast, about judging when we're to judge and stuff and, yeah... And just that whole half a gospel, hey? Um, I've got something I've written here. The church sign that I saw when I was recently up on the holidays. Um, oh, and that's what it was. Like, we were driving past, and you know they have these boards where they have these signs and stuff, and um, I can't remember what the thing was, but it was it was something like, come and have a meal with Jesus, or I can't remember, but it was just some what I considered really lame and just so politically correct and non-offensive and I was just saying to David that kind of thing as far as I'm concerned doesn't work people that don't even go to church are not interested in God not going to drive past and read this and decide oh I think I'll go have a meal with God or whatever Um, it's not offensive in any way and you know what we need the gospel is an offense it should be an offense Mm -hmm. and if you go and read something like that and you're unsaved like it's not going to do anything to you but if we put something up there that was going to really challenge you and even offend you, at least it's going to make you think about it, isn't it? And you're going to remember it and see it and take note. And, you know, there's lots of testimony of people who have come to Christ because someone or something said something that they considered really offensive and they had to go and really examine themselves and look at it. And that's what brought them, mm-hmm. you know, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's just that whole, um, you know, what we have in the church today. It's just let's not offend people mm. where we need to offend because that might keep them out of hell, actually. Mm. Well, the whole framework of, of like, um, the way that um, people are being brought up now is cushy. It's, yeah. it's so cushy. Yeah. We've got everything we need. Um, you know, you don't need to work too hard to get this or that or the yeah. other. It is so cushy. At school, you can't... Um, I work as a teacher and you can't say things that, you know, you have to really baby feed a lot of students sometimes <laughs> because they don't know how to... You can't even fail anymore. That's yeah. it. That's it. It's going to be real shock when you leave. That's <laughs> it. And the, the whole society is that yeah. cushy. So we have to... Enablement. Enablement, yes. And I've yep. been to a school where they've almost suggested we don't use red pen to mark work. Yeah. Because that's offensive. Yeah. Mm. 
it's gone to the extreme. Extreme, it's gone yeah. ridiculous, yeah. Mm. And people need to be offended. The gospel is an offence, and mm. that can very well be the thing that, you know, because they've got to come to repentance, and, you know, if you're not ever confronted and offended maybe by people saying, hey, what you're doing, you know, is not right, yeah. you're just going to carry on doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this I noticed too with like a lot of prophetic teaching, they have like this like secret knowledge, secret wisdom thing going on, mm-hmm. and it's always like you've got to get more anointing, you've got to get more of this so you can live out your calling instead of just Jesus is you're complete yeah. in Him. Yeah, He's either anointed you or you're not, right? Yeah, you have the Holy Spirit. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's exactly what you said, this whole, you know, secret stuff or knowledge or whatever they want to phrase it in the terminology. It's contrary to those scriptures we've just been reading in the last podcast anyway about mm-hmm. Paul, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right, Not so about Paul, sorry, written by Paul. About <laughs> 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 Paul when he was Saul. <laughs> All right, so obviously the danger of... Um, you know, getting into this deceived by this false teaching is that you actually may end up worshipping a false god. Yep, mm-hmm. and, and then you're going to go to hell. Eternal life and death is you. We, right. we talk about loving them straight into hell, right? Mm. You, and you'll end up as well compromising on the word of God. Um, yeah, and it's bad. Yeah. Yep. And if you're compromising now when it's easy, yep. what's it going to be yep. like when the day comes when it's not going to be so easy? Yep. Alright, so how do we check whether or not teaching is false? What would my answer be, girls? Line it up with the Word. Exactly. <laughs> so always line it up with the Word Watch of God. Watch some reality TV. You know, if, it, if it disagrees with the Word, you know, I always say there's no ifs, ifs and buts that's or whatever. If it disagrees with the Word or your thoughts disagree, you are wrong, full stop, that's mm. it. It's that simple. But we often don't want it to be that simple because that is confronting in itself. Like that, that's it. You know, the, the society we live in, like you're saying as well, there's no absolutes, and yeah. you know, we'll be labelled intolerant to come up with abs- this absolute. Like the word says this, if it disagrees in any shape, form, wrong. End of story. Full stop. I mean, that would be labelled as so rigid and intolerant. But that is as simple as it is. So anyway, if it compromises in any way with the word and the principles of the word mm-hmm. because you know some people I've had um, we've had someone it's before say well show us a scripture or and someone even said well give me four scriptures on that and there'll be things that are not there may not be a specific scripture but it's against the whole spirit and principle of the word and that as well so if it's against that as well it's up that's what I love about God it's pretty simple yeah we complicate it right yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sick of all these blurred lines. <laughs> yeah. And it's because, yeah. and that's it. it's because people don't, you know, a lot of people are saying they're Bible believing, but the minute you start applying it to all the faulty behaviors and the faulty belief systems, we don't like it and we start arcing up. And then suddenly it's not so simple. It gets all complicated. It gets complicated because we're trying to justify why it's okay to disobey and to keep doing that when really it is simply, it is definitely black and white. Yeah. Not 50 shades. <laughs> 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 Alright, so everything needs to hold up against the word. And if you are struggling to test things against the word, you need to seek advice for those more mature than you um, about the teaching and, and teaching you how to test things against the word. Yeah. Um, you know, another idea is what Carol is saying. She's listening to some teaching to, to figure things out like 
have a look at their statement of beliefs. You know, you could even like Google that person's name, a teacher's name, and false teacher, and you will get a crazy amount of hits coming up. And some of it will be complete rubbish, but it also help you to identify incorrect things about the teaching. Mm. I spent a lot of time last year doing that, and threw out a lot of books as a result. <laughs> And and just you can also listen as well. Um, David did a very extensive, well, not just David, maybe, but mainly David, um, series of preaching on the Laugh House podcast on deception in the church. Mm. So that's all up there as well. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to verses 5 to 10. So. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Right, so what is Paul talking about? What does he mean when he says he's present with them in spirit? Right, yeah, we we even have that expression as well, hey, like when we can't be somewhere there, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you in spirit. And, and what we're really saying in that expression, we're saying that although I'm not physically there, I am thinking very much about you, I'm thinking about you. So, um, you know, for him, he's letting them know that he, although they can't physically be there, they're constantly in his thoughts and prayers. Mm. Yeah, we're still concerned about their welfare and their spiritual condition. Yeah. Um, in response to that deception facing the church, regardless of where he actually physically was. Alright, so Paul is delighted by the Colossians' discipline and firmness of faith. So what does that discipline and firmness of faith in Christ mean and look like in our walk? Go live, I'll give you a gap. The first thing that uh, comes to my head with discipline is that self-discipline. I guess most of our walk comes from disciplining ourselves to be in the Word, to be obedient to what God asks us. Um, So if they're disciplined, then they're walking with God and and accepting even His discipline of them. Firmness of faith, so that just uncompromising um, faith that, you know, when you're pushed to your limits, that's when your faith really kicks in. It's not when you're comfortable, it's when you're outside that zone. And I think that that is a way of, honouring God then when you're standing in that faith you're honouring God in your walk yeah, mm. it's true these um, words that Paul uses they're actually like military terms so mm. <laughs> I stole <laughs> Carolyn <laughs> I should never have taught you where to look about the commentaries alright so that involves us being steadfast and able to stand up under any trial and and being ordered or working harmoniously and well together. So we're to be steadfast and not, you know, tossed to and fro. We shouldn't be easily moved by false teaching or that draw of the world, but continue steadfast in our love for Christ. Um, 
and when we're settled in Christ there should be an order and peace to our lives so even when we're facing that difficult situation we should be able to face it head on without you know being overcome by emotion even though we have the emotions and you know you get that turmoil but you're not overcome by it your mind is trained and ordered and subject to Christ and your will is broken or surrendered to Jesus that's all right. I still have a good A4 sheet of written notes. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna... You and your wisdom. That's all mine, I love, like Lena said, military terms here. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was just thinking about it when I'm writing because the word for discipline is taxes, which is a rank one audit arrangement. And I was just thinking about, you know, thinking about the show that we're watching, um, The Biggest Loser, where just these people, like for some of them, for whatever reason, um, you know, it's really the first time they're really even just doing, you know, some exercise and just what it's bringing out, the amount of pressure and stuff. And then just thinking about an army on a parade ground and just thinking about, you know, lots of churches and people in churches and just even thinking about our own church. And I mean, you know, we've got really awesome people. I'm not, you know, but I was just thinking... Imagine us just even starting basic training, like full-on army, like drill sergeant being drilled, like one day on the parade ground. I could just imagine the stuff that would be coming out and coming, you know, under that kind of pressure. And it just made me like think, like, the church is supposed to be an army, mm. you know, and Paul's using this military term, so it's not even, oh, well, you know, because sometimes, like, David's really, you know, likes all the military uh, terminology and stuff, and I sometimes think, um, you know, people might just, oh, well, that's David or on a tangent, or he loves that military stuff, but that is what Paul's saying, and that is so many words in the Bible that refers to us that we are an army, and we're supposed to be of a certain level and well-disciplined, and I was just thinking how shocking the state of the church is because I can personally, and, and probably me as well, I can imagine myself on a drill thing if it was one day of basic training, how much whinging and excuses <laughs> and whatever. And there's a, you know, I think there's a sad state that people would be walking away and, and we just don't, you know, we're so far removed from that. And, um, you know, not even, often not even willing to... Um, obey scripture let alone being ready and alert just listening for the command which which an army's got to be highly trained ready alert not concerned and caught up with civilian affairs there's a scripture that talks about that but ready to listen Mm -hmm. and just it's just this too much sloppy disorganized undisciplined living sloppy disorganized army um you know so just just thinking about that was like whoa um and just, yeah, I've got here the whinging, the blowing, the biggest loser in the block. It's quite good, you know, watch these shows, you get material. Um, and, yeah, just under pressure. And um, I think that, um, you know, if if I'm just relating it to a show like The Biggest Loser where, you know, they've got all their stuff and we fat in the church with undealt strongholds and wrong belief systems often. Mm. And once that starts fat. getting, yeah, spiritually fat, you can be spiritually fat with taking in a lot of teaching, doing nothing with it, but you can be fat um, where you've got all this wrong stuff that you're refusing to let go and deal with. And, you know, when your behaviors 
get pinged, you start whinging and run away and whatever. And so, you know, I think that that's really, you know, we need to be trained and disciplined and let go of that. And, you know, then going on to talking about being firm in your faith, faith sorry, the word that you need a firm face as though, well, <laughs> a firm face as well. Some set meetings. Your, set your face like flint. <laughs> but yeah, firm in your face and in your face. Um, but it's just that solid, the word he's talking there as well, solid bulwark, immovable, something that's immovable. And again, it's, it's using military terminology that an army that's set out in an unbreakable square, they're solidly immovable against the shock of the enemy coming against them. And, mm. you know, within the church, there should be such discipline, order and strong steadiness, just like a trained and disciplined body of troops. And, you know, I think we need to, um, as quickly as we can, once we get saved, we need to let all the baggage go, deal with the strongholds, deal with the um, false belief systems, and not hold on to that for years and years and years, because it's just taking us off what we're supposed to be. So get rid of it, and just get lean and trim, and be the strong force and army. Yeah. I just went camping um, for a couple of days with some friends, and, um, you know, when you go camping, you sort of strip it back, life to the bare essentials. And I got home, and I was honestly shocked at the size of our house <laughs> and how much stuff is in it that we consider, you know, basically as a life necessity. And, like, that's how we can be just just spiritually fat and just, you know, soaking up all these things in the world and not the trim and what, you know, what we need, focused on what we need. And it is civilian affairs, isn't it? Because the more attachment we have with all of that and the more we're holding on to things and the more that's just what consumes our time. And, and I think if the enemy can't keep you away from accepting Jesus, then it will be the next thing will be, well, to keep you focused on yourself and all the things that are wrong with you and your eyes off him and what he's done. And we look at ourselves and we can hang on to this stuff. And, you know, there's huge industries in in the church as well that are catering to all that you know um, just mm. dealing with stuff and to me you know some of these places people go to deal with strongholds and stuff it should be a one off visit not like yearly that you keep going back to the same thing all the time because you like should be getting delivered and set free and, you know okay. like the, look, taking your car into the mechanics for its check up every year yeah mm. I mean, just apply the word, get rid of it. And, you know, and I was saying to David as well, I was driving past another church bulletin board, and I'm not sure many churches. <laughs> You're in a thing. We've done, you know, we've done this ourselves over the years and stuff, but just it really just struck me. Um, and, I mean, I used to be like that when I was, like, nervous about speaking to someone and thinking, oh, have I got the answers to help them or whatever, am I qualified to help them? But, you know, this whole thing of Christian counselling that we the churches are outsourcing to counsellors, mm-hmm. You know, it had on the church bulletin board, it had, um, you know, like the advert was for like reasonably priced counselling or something like, but giving and then giving a number. And I'm like, we need to be doing that ourselves. Oh, we have been to counselling. Yeah. It means nothing yeah. unless you are in the Word of God. That's yeah. the only thing that changes you. Counselling is a good avenue to get to talk about things, to get things out. Yep. 
but it only deals with that emotions and the symptom of the deeper issues. Without yep. the word, you will not be changed. That's exactly right. All they do, well, well the worldly counseling certainly teaches you to cope and live with the problem. Even not Christian counselling. Even Christian, yeah, you're it's right. It's just behaviour management, management yeah, not and dealing not, with the issues. Not dealing with the real issues, and it's only the word of God applied and cut like a sword cutting right into that that can do it. So buckets issue, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so verse 6, Paul says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. So these are some great pictures here. Um, that Yeah, vivid. What does that convey to you, Liv? I think first you cannot be built up unless you are rooted. So that was the first thing that popped into my mind, that you must have the roots first before you can build up. You won't go anywhere without the roots. Um, And then roots need nourishment and the correct kind of treatment. So you must be, um, like it says, in Jesus, rooted in Jesus Christ, in the Word, which is essentially from before. It is from Him. It is Him. (laughs) Um, And only then can He build you up in Him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, like I was saying, we have to be that building built on a strong foundation with our roots down deep into Christ Jesus. And that the walls, like those bricks that go up, need to be based on the word and not human emotion. Otherwise, one day I think we're just going to scrape down that building and God's going to start all over again. Yeah. Yeah, so our foundation has to be in Christ and we continue on in Him based on the word. Yep. I love that, like you say, the vivid pictures that Paul gives. Um, and then that word rooted is the word that would be used for a tree where its roots are really deeply, firmly embedded and, and anchored in as well. Um, and it made me think of a scripture that I'd preached on a while back on, on it's Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And to me that roots really talks about an anchoring and it's a hope in Christ that guarantees that safety. And just like an anchor would hold a, hold a ship so in position... And it goes, you know, that's the same as what our faith does. But the interesting thing is, ship's anchor goes right down into the ocean bed. But listen to where our anchor goes, Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. So our anchor is going straight up into the true heavenly sanctuary where Jesus is. And, you know, just thinking about that, um, the anchor, uh, being an anchor for your soul, because our soul, as we know, is our, our will and our mind and, and our emotions. And far too often Christians are ruled by one or a combination of those instead of by the Spirit. And, um, you know, we're commanded to walk in the Spirit. And so often we've got those other things, you know, your will or your emotion, whatever, driving your life. And, you know, your mind is, I think, so it's all about, well, I think this, I think that. And it can be in you know, contrast to the word of God, but we allow that to dictate and to realize in the logic and reasoning which faith is the opposite of. Not that it is illogical or whatever, but you know, we can really worship our mind and what it's telling us and allow that to dictate and what might be your will. I will want it this way, I want or your emotions are feel and so what we really have to do is in cooperation with the Holy Spirit we allow our spirits to actually be the driving force in our life and not allow the soul to dictate and so I love that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul so that is anchoring your soul saying right emotions mind will that are going crazy just be anchored you know and just be rooted in Christ and so 
yeah, we need to do that. And so if we're in Christ, we're submitting to living with Him in charge. And as you said in the last podcast, live um, Him as Lord and Master. Mm-hmm. And it's only as that happens that your soul's going to be anchored and it's not going to be drawing and pulling off here, there, and everywhere pulling you over. And I think there are, as you said, too many Christians who've got Jesus as Saviour but not as Lord and Master. And so they're actually walking in the flesh. Um, mm. You know, because they're allowing their mind, their will, or emotions, basically, which is the I, to rule instead of walking in the spirit. And you know, you mentioned this as well live about the trees um, draw their nourishment from the soil that they're rooted in, and we root in Christ, so that's where we draw our life, our very life, our nourishment from. Um, and then I've got the built up. Did we talk about that already, or is it? No, so just as well that that word built up there is used for that house that's built on a firm foundation and it made me think of Matthew seven, twenty four to twenty five. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation um on the rock and so just like that house being built there if we build our lives in Christ then we are going to be able to resist and stand firm in any storm no matter what comes because our life is founded on Christ and so you know the rooted and built up shows that Jesus and this is what Paul's saying there Jesus is both the source or the nourishment of our lives and then the foundation of our stability as well mm. good Okay, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, so what we're, you know, what we're talking about here is like you need to be built upon the the rock, Jesus, and you need to be getting in the Word and getting that nourishment. All right, so we encourage you to get into the Word, be reading Colossians along with us as we go throughout the podcast, and that will be really beneficial to you. Um, Anything else? No? If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website, www.life-house.net, and we'll see you next time for more Colossians.